the final frontier. Hey, Galileo. What you doing? Looking for your home planet? No, we were just scoping out the universe. <laughs> hey, I think I see Saturn. Are you sure? Well, it's got yellow rings. Check it out. Cody, that's McDonald's. No way. They opened one up on Saturn? Heyo, welcome back to Thank Fucking God It's Friday. I'm Drew. And I'm Katie. And this week we're talking about a show that had one actor in it that went on to star in Paris Hilton's The Hottie and the Naughty. <laughs> wow, I can't even think of who that would have been. I hope it's not Patrick Duffy. <laughs> it is not Patrick Duffy. That would have been interesting. No, it was Christine Lakin who played Al, I believe. Yeah. Is that correct? Oh my God. Yes. That was a pure <laughs> guess because I don't remember any of their names. <laughs> she was the naughty. Uh, Paris Hilton was the titular hottie. But in the <laughs> end, the guy ended up with the naughty because we found out that she was beautiful the whole time. It was like a she's all that moment. Probably. I've never seen it. I never will. I looked it <laughs> up neither. for about 30 seconds. <laughs> wow. But yeah, that's a uh, step by step. <laughs> yes <laughs> step by step day by day fresh start something a different hand to play the lyrics to the theme song are so cheesy I miss theme songs. <laughs> well, this is a theme song that I thought I knew. And then I turned on the subtitles while I was watching. And I was like, oh, I've been saying all of these wrong. <laughs> I only remember the first two lines. Step by step, day by day. Yeah. That might just be the first line. I only know that part. <laughs> <laughs> the only one I wrote down in my notes that they repeat a lot is... We'll make it better the second time around. I always thought that part was from Full House. Mm. Well, this show is all about, you know, a second marriage for these parents. And so they definitely lay that on very thick in the theme song. It's, it's you know, the step families. This, we're th I'm sure there had to be shows where the family was a step family before this. Well, there's one that's very similar to this show, which is The Brady Bunch. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why in Step Family shows do the, they have so many kids already? <laughs> well, I think that this was probably intended to be a more modern Brady Bunch. That was my take on it. And that's why they had six kids between the two of them. Theme songs now are all it's just a couple notes of, of a song really quick or something. Actually, I don't even know. I, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a theme song and that has words now. Are there any? I don't know. I mean, kind of the transition, I think, happened around when J.J. Abrams started doing, like, Alias and Lost. Okay. And those had their, like, intro credits happen, like, ten minutes into the show and would just be like, <laughs> I always think of the Portlandia sketch where they're selling TV theme songs. Have you seen that one? I'm sure I have, but it's not ringing a bell. It's just like makes fun of how all the ones like Breaking Bad all sound the same. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I can't off the top of my head. Well, that's not true. There are a lot that have music, but it's more instrumental. I can't think of ones that have actual words. So like in my head, I'm thinking about like Bones and House. I mean, those aren't on today, but they're somewhat recent. But they used actual songs with no words, no lyrics. Right. I'm trying to even think about what I watch. <laughs> I watch like uh, It's Always Sunny. There's nothing on that one. Yeah. Ooh, I watched uh, What We Do in the Shadows, the TV show. And they have a they have a song for that. They do, yeah, yeah. 
Okay, so there's some, but there's they're not like these from the 90s. The ones in the 90s were very much the same between the shows, which I think is why you got this one mixed up with Full House. Yes. And then there's like Family Matters, which also has a very similar one. <laughs> um, Boy Meets World did not have a similar one. Sabrina didn't have a similar one. While we're on it, can we just talk completely about the opening credits right now? Go for it. Okay. All of these shows in like the 80s and 90s that were these kind of sitcoms, it's always that camera zoom in on the character and then they either like laugh or sigh or like shrug their shoulders like, what are you going to do? Every (laughs) single one. I mean, it's like a joke. Um, Have you seen those different like YouTube videos or something where people are like recreating something as if it's a sitcom or like they'll take they'll make a new intro credit for an actual show as if it's a 90s sitcom. Yeah. There's one that I watched pretty recently and I can't think of what it was, but it was definitely like some sort of serious show, like not breaking bad, but kind of in that vein. (laughs) Yeah. I've seen one that's done of breaking bad. Yeah. Sarah showed me this one that was a spoof of that kind of uh, from adult swim called too many cooks. And it's literally just, it just goes on for 10 minutes of people keep getting introduced as characters, but it, turns very dark i remember watching that with sarah a very long time ago <laughs> sounds right it gave me nightmares so <laughs> yeah it was definitely a very 90s aspect of television i think these intro credits and everybody knows what we're talking about right and they almost always even have yellow text like what's with that <laughs> yeah it's just big not bubble letters but they always have like a drop shadow or something with them to just yeah. make them stand out with their name. That's yeah, uh. yeah. And this one in particular takes place while they're at like a fair, or not a, maybe a fair, but some sort of amusement park. Yeah. Okay. So there's a few things about that. One, they're supposed to apparently be at some amusement park that's like along Lake Michigan. Mm. I don't know which one, but in reality, they're at a Six Flags that's like super inland. And when they show the part with the water right next to the roller coaster. At first I was like, why did they build the roller coaster right at the tide line? Like what if there's a high tide <laughs> and it washes out the foundation? That seems horrible. But then I realized it's not there. It's CGI. That's, that's a parking lot. They did CGI for credits in 1991. Yeah. They put that there because it's a parking lot to six flags is what's really in that spot. And they oh wanted to make gosh. it look like it was, Along the coastline of Lake Michigan. (laughs) That's kind of mind-blowing. I didn't realize that. Wow. So, in addition to this, there's also another weird thing with the credits and that whole scene. Is that there's this extra unspecified kid. Like a young boy with dark hair who's supposed to be one of the mom's kids. Really? You can see him as the family enters the amusement park and then scatter kind of different areas and stuff. Uh, <laughs> he's in there during Peggy Ray's credit. Yeah. And another instance, he's in there with Suzanne Summers. I vaguely remember this. We didn't watch any of the episodes from season one. But now that you mentioned that, it does sound somewhat familiar. So who it was is the actress Jarrett Lennon, who was originally cast as Mark Foster. Oh, they basically the theory with it is that the original actor, his mismatched hair was going to cause confusion to people. (laughs) They wouldn't understand that he was her son because he didn't. He wasn't blonde. Well, Karen isn't blonde. Well, is she the dad's daughter? No, Karen is the mom's daughter. She the the like pretty one. Well, I don't fucking know that. Maybe they needed to balance out the blonde kids with the brunette. They couldn't have two brunette kids for her. Maybe. But either way, they changed who it was, reshot the pilot, but they didn't reshoot or change the credits. They just added in a a part for, what's his name? The kid who played Mark? Christopher Castile. Yes. So they just did that, but that kid's still in there. Interesting. I wonder if he gets residuals for the credits. (laughs) I don't know. I doubt it. Probably not. (laughs) 
I think you have to have a credited role. Yeah, I guess so. And <laughs> I mean, he was only for the pilot, so. Yeah. And not even that. They reshot it. That's really funny. <laughs> Which um, of these shows, like, I feel like for you, Full House, like these family sitcoms, was Full House your top one that you watched? Absolutely. Definitely Full House. And I am a year older than Mary-Kate and Ashley. And so I was like kind of at the same age as Michelle throughout the whole thing. And so, you know, you can relate to those sort of hijinks that she gets into. But I just found Full House to be more well-rounded overall. Step by Step is not a good show. Yeah, I do. (laughs) I don't know that I ever watched it. Yeah. Like, I remembered nothing about this. When I started watching it, I only knew the theme song. And probably because, like, it was always on somewhere. Mm -hmm. Right? So, I I don't know. But I'm glad I didn't watch it. Because, yeah, Full House seems over (laughs) this. I was always more into family matters of, like, those three. Yeah. I also liked Full House a lot. But, yeah, this is... And I don't know, what is it about it? Like, the characters or something? Yeah, I think it's... I think it was maybe they were just really hung up on this semi-Brady Bunch idea, but it being a more dysfunctional family, and maybe not necessarily dysfunctional, but more of a normal family, and showing that, and still trying to make it wholesome. (laughs) I don't know, like, they just got lost somewhere around the way. I'm not going to lie, it didn't seem wholesome. It seemed like... Everyone in this family is just a hornball. <laughs> like, literally, there was... The parents, for sure. The parents, yeah, for sure. Even Mark, in one of the episodes we watched, is talking about uh, someone getting a boob job and him turning him on. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I briefly watched the episode after that, which actually has Michelle Williams in it. And he was basically... It was weird that it came after um, the one that we watched that had a nerd in it because he was kind of the nerd in this one where he was trying to get the attention of this girl who was obviously hot by doing her home her homework. Of course. <laughs> um, but just to kind of step back quickly, Step by Step was a sitcom that ran for six seasons on ABC's TGIF lineup starting in September 1991 before it moved to CBS for one final season in September 97, along with Family Matters. So I guess CBS was like trying to make their own block of comedy. And so they took these two hit shows from ABC that actually had declining ratings (laughs) and didn't work out. What a shocker. (laughs) And like we were saying, it's kind of a more modern Brady Bunch. Both of the parents each have three kids And they're the Fosters and the Lamberts. But there just seemed to be a lot less harmony between the different family members. There was more turmoil between the kids as well as to, like, their step-parent. Like, Dana really doesn't like Frank, I think, for most of the series. I picked up on that, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And here's the thing that set up the whole show, which I definitely didn't remember, I guess they got married while they were on vacation in Jamaica. Like it was kind sandals, of a whirlwind Jamaica. romance. <laughs> yeah, sandals. I don't know if they saw Michael and Jan there, but I definitely didn't remember this whole Jamaica thing. And they were also going to keep the marriage a secret from their kids. Yeah. But then he accidentally told JT while they were like at a barbecue or something like that. We didn't watch the first episode, so it didn't come up, but that seemed crazy. Were they not going to live together or they were going to move in together and just like not tell their kids any reasons why? Without knowing the actual facts of this, what I'm thinking they were going to do is probably continue as if they were dating and they had, you know, more of an established connection with the families and stuff. Because I think it was a very quick transition from dating to being married. And so I think they didn't want to just like put that on the kids. That makes sense. But Carol Foster is the mom, which is funny because I just remembered that my hygienist growing up is named Carol Foster. (laughs) Was the 
The mom in the Brady Bunch was named Carol, wasn't she? Oh, she was. Yeah. Wow. I didn't catch that. Anyway, um, Carol is played by Suzanne Summers of Thighmaster fame. Do you think she's more famous for that than Three's Company? Uh, <laughs> that's a good call. I actually didn't even think about Three's Company when I was writing my notes. Well, maybe that's your <laughs> that's your answer. Maybe. Um, I watched Three's Company. Wasn't it on Nick at Night or something like yeah, that? I loved watching that show. Yeah, it was a funny show. Um, John Ritter, R.I.P. But Carol, she she was widowed. Um, had two daughters and a son, like we were talking. And she works as a beautician, which I think is a bigger plot point at the beginning of the series. You mentioned the actress who plays her sister, who also works at the like beauty salon. Who's that? Peggy Ray? Uh, Peggy Ray, okay. yeah. Um, and I know that she continues working as like a hairstylist or something throughout, but for some reason I just remember it being a bigger thing at the beginning. Okay. So. I don't know. And then the eldest of her daughters is Dana, played by Stacey Keenan, who is very smart, but also extremely sarcastic. And she was the first one to be cast. She was the only character that I feel like I moderately liked watching this. Everybody else I hated. Uh, Apparently, Stacey Keenan is now like a lawyer somewhere. That's what she because she stopped acting after a little bit and I believe became a lawyer. She was a pretty big, like, child star before this. She was on My Two Dads and another show. I don't remember what it was called. But I think a lot of these actors actually stopped kind of after Step by Step. I don't know if it killed their career or just their will to act. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair. <laughs> um, well, moving on. The other of Carol's daughters is Karen, who's played by Angela Watson, and her ambitions all seem to be very centered around her beauty. She basically is depicted as not being smart and just focusing on, like, being popular and all this stuff. She's just trying to follow in her mom's footsteps and being a... What what was her job? What did you say it was? Oh, a beautician. A beautician. Thank you. The reason I said beautician is because that is what is in Wikipedia. I don't know if that's a term that people actually use today. I would say she was probably a hairstylist, but... Okay. I don't know if they did other things there, too. Maybe you would say esthetician. Yeah, that's the word I was trying to come up with. I couldn't couldn't do it (laughs) because my brain don't work no good no more. Um, Angela Watson, though... Her parents stole over $2.5 million from her. Oh, dang. Did she make that much from this show? I don't know. I don't know where it all came from. But <laughs> she made $2.5 million at least. And she was going to use that money for like college and other stuff and like, you know, to start her life. And she found out her parents had stolen it and it was gone. So she founded Child Actors Supporting Themselves, aka CAST. Uh, which helps child actors like take control of their finances. Huh. Wow. A, I can't believe that she made $2.5 million at least, presumably from this show, and B, that her parents would do that. I wonder what her relationship is like with them. I would have to assume, I mean, I don't know, maybe they've reconciled, but you got to think like, that's a, that's a rough one for her. And that's something that I think does happen with child stars a lot. So it makes sense that she would have started that organization. Yeah, that's good. Anyway, um, the youngest of Carol's children is her son, Mark, who's played by Christopher Castile. And he's a very stereotypical nerd. He has a penchant for computers and wears giant red glasses. Apparently, they were trying to somewhat emulate Urkel. The same people made both shows. Right. And I think they wanted like a character that was as popular as Urkel. And so they just like tried to have lightning strike twice with the same kind of character. I don't think it works that way. No. Um, the actor uh, became a history teacher. Oh. So he is smart. Isn't he also in Beethoven? I don't know. I'm pretty sure he's in Beethoven, which I hate that movie. Because it's about animals? Well, one is that it's about animals, and I don't like movies about animals. 
Um, not that I don't like animals. He I have animals. a pet and have always had pets. I just don't like movies or books or anything about animals. Have you ever read Where the Red Fern Grows? No. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I hate, hate, hate Homeward Bound. But the reason why I hate Beethoven is there's this one scene where the bad guy gets impaled by a whole bunch of, like, syringes. Oh, no. Yeah. No, thanks. It's bad. The only Saw movie I ever saw, I think, was Saw 2, and somebody, like, falls into a vat of syringes, and I never Ooh. forgave anyone who made me go see that movie. <laughs> Yikes. Like, we're not friends anymore at all. Leave. <laughs> Understandable. All right, and then moving on to the Lambert side of the family, there is Frank, who's played by Patrick Duffy. He's a divorced dad with two sons and a daughter, and he owns his own contracting business. I didn't look anything up about Patrick Duffy. So I think that this show was kind of devised in a way around Suzanne Somers and Patrick Duffy because they both did have really popular shows like in the late 70s. 80s because he was on Dallas and we talked about her being on Three's Company and so I think part of it is that they tried to make those parent characters a big focal point of the series but I think that's why they are depicted as being all over each other all the time yeah they she was ready to like the second he said his clothes were gone in one of the episodes she was like I'm gonna jump those bones now Carol, that's it. I have had it. Everybody in this house is taking my clothes without asking my permission, and I'm getting real tired of it. This keeps up. I'll be walking around here buck naked. I have no problem with that. Buck. So the oldest of his kids is JT, played by Brandon Call. And I think he's about the same age as Dana, and as a result, they butt heads a lot. They call each other a whole bunch of different names constantly, and I think that's, in general, where a lot of the familial tension lies. They didn't really get into it outside of, like, one little thing in the episodes we watched. Yeah, I didn't do a very good job picking the episodes. <laughs> that's fine. Uh, the guy who plays him, you say Brendan Call. Yeah. Uh, apparently, during the run of the show, he was shot during a traffic incident. He was shot by some dude who was tailing his car. Uh, what? Hitting both of his arms. He escaped and made it to a police station. Oh, my gosh. That is crazy. So this article says that he was driving home when he noticed a man and a woman trailing him. He tried to evade them, but made a wrong turn into a cul-de-sac. As he spun around to get back onto the next street, he was cornered by them. The driver stepped out and began firing a pistol at him, wounding him in both arms. He managed to escape and drove himself to a nearby police station where his wounds were dressed, blah, blah, blah. Police don't know the motive for the shooting. I don't know if they found it. I didn't look at any updates. Is this a very old article? <laughs> yeah, this was from 1996. Okay. So, wow. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I mean, hopefully they caught them. Um, too bad he didn't have a cell phone where he could have, like, snapped a picture of the license plate at least. Right. I did actually used to drive around with a disposable camera in my car. Really? Not specifically for something like that, but it would have come in handy. Okay. <laughs> wow. That's crazy, though. Yeah, that's insane. Um, <laughs> so, the middle child on the show is Alicia, although she is almost exclusively called Al and she's played by Christine Lakin. She's considered a tomboy. And I think it's meant to be because she was raised by, you know, her dad with other boys. And so she just like became one of the boys or whatever, but okay, obviously that's a very, uh, limited portrayal. <laughs> yeah. So, but I mean, it's, kind of that way with all of them in the shows they're all kind of just cliches of one kind or another imagine that with a sitcom yeah cliche characters <laughs> but this is even more so than than like any of the other ones yeah i mean she's called al and in one of the episodes we watched cody gets amnesia and when al introduces herself he writes down on his little notebook 
prettiest guy I've ever seen. <laughs> she was pretty. She's a pretty girl, so I don't know why. No, this... she is pretty, but like he called her a guy. Yeah. Because <laughs> of her name. Um, you talked about how it was kind of similar to Family Matters and all that stuff. Well, Jaleel White actually dated uh, Christine Lakin for a year oh. during the show's run. Interesting. I know that she recently had a show on, I think, TV Land called Hollywood Darlings that also had Jodie Sweetin from Full House. and They're very similar. <laughs> and um, I can't remember the actress's name, but it was the one who played Lucy on Seventh Heaven. So I don't know anything about the show. I just know that it was supposed to be basically about these like former child stars. And that was like a year ago. <laughs> hmm. um, and then the youngest of Frank's kids is Brendan, played by Josh Byrne. And to me, he's entirely forgettable. I think he was meant to be like a cute kid, but he actually loses screen time throughout the series, especially when Frank and Carol have a daughter named Lily. So he disappeared from the show for the last season and it's never explained. Yeah. Which I guess, whatever, they didn't care. Um, but uh, I looked up the guy and he's, the only thing I can find is he's into Renaissance fairs, Renaissance festivals. <laughs> Does he go LARPing? It looked like it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm, I just mentioned Lily. Um, one of the things about these long running sitcoms is that they usually fade out once they introduce a younger like kid. So it happened with the Brady Bunch. Actually, they bring in like the cousin. I can't remember what his name is. And that was like basically the end of the Brady Bunch. And then it happened with um, the Cosby show when they bring mm -hmm. in Raven Simone's character. Yeah. It's just kind of like a weird thing that happens. They like feel like they have to bring in another kid and then the show actually just ends up getting canned. But Lily was a baby when she first, you know, came onto the show, obviously. But then they aged her up to like five years old. And the girl that played her at the time was always in this Welch's juice commercial. Her name is Emily May Young. And every time I saw that commercial, I was just like, oh, it's that kid from Step by Step. <laughs> <laughs> Did she have like a big role on Step by Step? Yeah, she was like um, kind of like a mini Dana, actually. She was like pretty smart and quippy okay yeah. as most like you know supplemental kids are on these shows yeah <laughs> and then lastly we have frank's nephew cody who is played by sasha mitchell he's just an absolute dummy like kind of unconscionably so like he just doesn't have any sense at all somehow and that's generally the focus of any storyline that centers around him yeah Online, it said that when he first appeared, he was a womanizer who would uh, brag about the women he was with and refer to oh. them as females, babes, and chicks. Um, but the network changed his persona to be more respectful and childlike after he became a role model for younger viewers. <laughs> uh, I don't know that I would want younger viewers to see him as a role model, considering how absolutely stupid he is. Yeah. But yeah, that's odd. You know, like the Valley Girl persona? Yep. He was like the guy version of that. A, a himbo? Is that what it's called? I, I think so. I've seen that one online. A himbo. I was just thinking like a, a surfer guy. Yeah, that's a himbo. <laughs> I haven't heard that. Uh, the guy who played him, Sasha Mitchell, is into some fucking shit, man. Yeah. And I think some of it happened during the show. Yeah. That's why he got fired from the show. Yeah. He was convicted of domestic assault, um, but also it seems like his wife was abusing their kids. Oh. And I can't tell if I think he may have been guilty of child endangerment. There's a lot going on. One article I found says that while his wife shielded their infant son with her body, he hit her between five to ten times with a couch pillow. Uh, within a few days, he lost his temper again, called her a slut and spit on her. Uh, days later, when she wouldn't go to dinner with him, he threw a chair against a wall, picked up her guitar, Jeez. 
and chucked it through a plate glass window. And so there was a lot of stuff with child abuse and he was violating parole and a bunch of stuff. Wow. I remember kind of that happening back then because as bad as the show was, I do think I watched at least every episode that aired on TGIF. And I do remember him getting kind of cut from the show and being replaced. And I remember hearing about the like domestic abuse and stuff because I didn't look that up today. Um, that wasn't part of my notes at all. It was just somewhere in the back of my brain. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know how I found out about that stuff. I mean, we had the internet and it was kind of like the early days of maybe like news that would have been online, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was on E. (laughs) Maybe. Should we talk about the episodes we watched? Sure. Which one do you want to do? I'll do the first one. Okay. So the first episode we watched is called SAT Blues. It's episode one from season two, and it aired September 18th, 1992, which was my dad's birthday. Oh, that's Happy cool. Happy birthday, dad. <laughs> I don't know what we were doing. I was seven years old at the time. Fair. I don't remember anything before, like, age 16. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I fall a lot. All right. Are you ready? I am. All right. One minute on the clock. Three. Two, one, go. So it's the morning and Dana is getting ready to go take the SATs and she shows up to take them and the proctor is Mimi from the Drew Carey show. That was weird. And uh, Cody walks in and he's going to take the test too because apparently he has a thing where he does something new that he's never done before every month and they get their tests back and Dana got a 1270 and Cody beat her by 50 points and she freaks out because he's such a dummy and how could that possibly happen? And she spends the whole rest of the episode basically trying to beat him at the SATs. And meanwhile, the other kids are stealing Frank's clothes and he's getting pissed off about it and basically like puts in an alarm for the closet and, um, In the end, Cody is like freaking out because he has to go to college because he did so well on the SATs. And um, Dana tells him that he should give it a shot because of how good his test score was. And time. Um, This episode started with the stupidest cold open I think I've ever seen. Yeah. They're looking through a telescope and Cody thinks he sees Saturn because he sees rings. Yeah. But it's McDonald's. Yeah, he's like, I see Saturn's rings. And then Mark looks through the telescope and is like, it's McDonald's. And he's like, whoa, they have a McDonald's on Saturn? (laughs) Is that that Full House? Is that this one? (laughs) Uh, That's not Step by Step. It's one of the other ones. I think that's Family Matters. (laughs) Yeah, probably. (laughs) Anyway, the whole thing about Cody actually being brilliant, I hated Well, I did too, because the entire time he is, like I said, just the biggest idiot. Like, this is a man who literally thinks that there's a McDonald's on Saturn, which actually Dana does say against him because she was there for that whole telescope thing. And the other thing that's kind of related is, so Dana's trying to get a really good score for the SATs because she wants to get into an Ivy League school. You don't get into an Ivy League school with a score of 1270. No, she's not going to. She's got to do better. <laughs> she was right to be hard on herself. They say that it's the 91st percentile. And my notes say, is it actually? <laughs> I don't know. I never took the SAT. I only did the ACT. I took the ACT also. And my equivalent was 1280. And I am not that smart. <laughs> I did not have dreams of going to an Ivy League school. You know, they just couldn't, they couldn't let the woman be smarter. You know, they had to, even when she gets smarter, so does he. (laughs) Yeah. He at first opens up his results and is like, I got a 650 and Dana starts making fun of him. That was the only time I didn't like her. It was like, it was was a little petty, even for me, someone who appreciates a (laughs) hater. Well, when she got her results, like two minutes before that, And they're like, it's the 91st percentile. They're like trying to make her feel better by saying like, if you walk by 100 people on the street, you are smarter than 91 of them. 
And then when he says that he gets a 650, she says, when you pass 100 people on the street, you're smarter than like seven of them. And which is a fucking burn. But (laughs) also probably true. (laughs) Yeah. But Frank says something like, "Uh, when are you ever going to walk by 100 people? Yeah. And then he realizes, well, not even realizes then he just moves on to the other part of the score that says that he got a 670 on math yeah and these are obviously the pre like inflated sat scores isn't it out of like 2400 now i don't know i think it is yeah i have no idea um she says this is when she says i got beaten by a guy who thinks there's a mcdonald's on saturn and my next note just says this is a really terrible show (laughs) (laughs) cody kind of looks like vanilla ice uh yeah i can kind of see that a like softer vanilla ice yeah His features are a little, a little bit softer less out angular. In the sun a few days <laughs> the ice is melting yeah um his whole storyline other than like you know beating dana is around him not wanting to have to use his brain because he scored well yeah he just wants to do demolition and not be a brain surgeon yeah. Yeah, he's like, don't make me be a brain surgeon. And even when at the end, when they try to like reconcile or when uh, Dana tries to reconcile with him and stuff and like encourage him to take a class or two, even then when they could have like shown character growth in him, he's still like, I don't want to do that. I think he's like, that's how they get you by like easing you in. And then before you know it, you're like a doctor. It's a gateway class. (laughs) I mean, yeah, she's trying to be nice by saying, you know, he got good scores and he should at least try. But Dana obviously is putting a lot of pressure on herself because she scored lower than Cody and basically thinks that her entire life is a fraud and thinks all of these report cards that said, you know, straight A's and all this stuff are just bullshit. What a nerd for keeping all of them. (laughs) It was in a like banker's box that was labeled Dana's school records. Yeah. (laughs) And then you have the classic TJF moment where Carol basically says that she's putting too much pressure on herself and burns her pretty bad when I think Dana's like, I have to be the best. I have to be the smart one because Karen is the pretty one. And Carol's like, I always thought Mark was the smart one. Yeah, and then she's like, oh, you know, you're not the smartest, but you're smart. And like, you're not the prettiest, but you know, you're pretty. <laughs> yeah. I can see why Dana didn't feel comforted in that moment. Right. <laughs> At all. Yeah. And as stupid as that whole storyline is, the Frank one is worse. All it is is they're taking Frank's clothes without asking him, because apparently every person in this house is the same size. <laughs> and well you know the 90s was all about like baggy shirts and stuff yeah. so these kids are basically wearing baggy sweatshirts the grossest thing is that karen right yeah is wearing his boxers yep it's so fucking disgusting to me yeah she's wearing his boxers because all the girls at school are doing it but they sew up the fly this is the dumbest shit i've ever heard with the boxers, he says, that explains my timing problem last week. Which, come on, man. <laughs> oh, the whole, God, hated. He put an alarm. I don't know how he put an alarm in his closet because he's not portrayed as somebody who's handy, it seems like, most of the time. Seems like. He, well, he's a contractor. Oh, my God. Is he? No one should yeah. hire him. <laughs> he calls a family meeting at the end. And is irate because he doesn't know where sunglasses are. They're on his head. Who cares? Yep. (laughs) It was so stupid. I couldn't believe how stupid it was. Let's rate this. And I actually do remember this episode. I'll go first. Um, So one of the reasons I picked it was because when I read the description, I was like, oh, I remember that. (laughs) And so I thought that it would be like. Good. At least memorable <laughs> in some good way, and it really just wasn't. Um, and that is kind of the case with all of the episodes that I read the descriptions for. That's fair. Um, which is why we ended up, I mean, we ended up watching two episodes that are not great. And I don't know if it's because the entire population isn't great or just 
uh, I did a bad job picking, but um, so this is a terrible episode. Um, I did like it a little bit better than the second one that we watched. Uh, so I will account for that. But nonetheless, it is only getting one and a half brain freezes out of five. Um, and the brain freeze comes from Cody is eating ice cream and continuously giving himself brain freezes. I think he's probably doing that now that I think about it to um, hurt his brain like and make kill him brain dumb. cells. Yeah, that's how yeah. I took it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you and I are on the same wavelength because I'm also going to give this one and a half perturbs, which is the word <laughs> Cody uses uh, when he feels smart out of five. Because I just, most of my notes are questions. And yeah. when that's the case, I know that nothing makes sense. <laughs> yeah. It is just full of, like you said, things that don't make sense and things that just aren't even really that entertaining. Like, it's almost like they were trying too hard or something. I don't know. And Carol was horny early in the day. Like, <laughs> she had just sent her daughter off to school and she's like, take the clothes off. Well, I do think it was a Saturday. Is that when? Well, no. She, do they take? You take the SATs on the weekend. Oh, they do it. Uh. I don't know. They do some fucking testing during school. I'm pretty sure they do SATs during school now. Oh, we didn't do them that way. Okay. I had to go to Green River Community College. Well, before we get to the second episode real quick, there's one last little weird fact that I've come up with uh, in my research. Okay. Have you heard this shit about Suzanne Summers? I mean, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> If you knew, then you would have said yes. <laughs> that's okay. that's how fucking weird don't. this is. <laughs> Do you know she's part of some experimental treatment to live to 125? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she's part of some experimental treatment by the Young Blood Institute where she has her old plasma swapped out with like teenager and young adult plasma to rejuvenate her cells. Is this something that she's like a test subject for or is she paying for this? She is paying for it. Wow. It costs $8,000. Per year? I don't know. Uh, okay. So it costs $8,000 to have their veins pumped with blood plasma from teenagers and young adults. Within a month, according to the doctor, who the entrepreneur who runs it, he says within a month, most participants see improvements. From a one-time infusion of a two-liter bag full of plasma. It basically seems so, like a like scam. So, like, teenagers are donating this? I don't even know. It's insane. And he's getting 600 participants in this study, as I air quote, <laughs> which means he could collect, like, five mil. Don't people usually get paid to be in a study, not pay to be in them? Yeah, you would think that, right? <laughs> it's a 50-year clinical trial. Jeez. <laughs> so when it ends, it'll conclude January 23rd, 2068. Suzanne Summers will be 121 years old then. Whoa. So this started recently. Yes. This, this is, started two years ago. Yeah, this is from 2018. Whoa. I was thinking that maybe this started like, I don't know, early 2000s or something. No, this is like now-ish. <laughs> Have you found any other celebrities who are partaking? I didn't. I only looked at Suzanne Summer stuff. She okay. was holding some $150 a plate benefit thing for it or something even. I don't <laughs> know. We're trying to get people in. Who knows? Trying to get some of that young blood. That's what you said it was called, right? <laughs> it's the Young Blood Institute. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's a front for vampires. Yep. This is from what we do in the shadows now. <laughs> Wow, that is pretty crazy. You're right. I had not heard that. Yeah. Like I said, if I would, if you would have read that, you'd be like, oh, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, one last thing before we get into the second one. Scrubs connection time. Oh, got to have that. There are so many people who were in step-by-step -step and scrubs. I'm not surprised. So many so that I had to narrow it down. I'll go quick through them. Uh, we have Scott Foley. Obviously, he's the biggest one, I think. Then we have 
Lee Ehrenberg. And in Scrubs, he plays Dr. Moyer. It's from the episode, My Own American Girl. Oh, I love that episode. <laughs> I know. And he's the doctor who's screaming, they're my machines, my machines. <laughs> nice. So I picked that one for, for you there. <laughs> and you don't know who he played on Step by Step? Just another minor character? It was character. a minor character, yeah. Okay. All right. Should we talk about the other episode that we watched, regrettably? Yes. I'm <laughs> super ready. All right. So this is Revenge of the Nerd, which is episode five from season four, not season three, as I originally told Drew. And it aired October 21st, 1994. So I'm putting a minute on the clock. You know, they started doing um, 30 second recaps on the Scrubs podcast, and I'm so glad. (laughs) Oh, they heard your criticisms. Yeah, Zach Braff said that several people on Instagram had asked for that. And one of them is me. Nice. <laughs> yeah. You made a change. So Donald Faison does them every time. Cool. But he writes them beforehand. We do not. It's off the dome. Right? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even write notes for it. I'm, j- I'm just like scanning through my existing notes. Okay. Ready? Yep. Three, two, one, go. Cody is struck by lightning for not the first time. He has amnesia. Oh, no. Doesn't remember anything. Uh, Karen, running for homecoming queen. Up against someone who had a boob job. Oh, no. There's only one person who doesn't know who they're going to vote for, and it's the deciding vote. It's a nerd. She has to go on a date with him and call him Zeus and other weird shit. She does it, but then he goes to kiss her. She slaps him. We have our touching mother-daughter moment. She loses. In the meantime... Uh, Cody is trying to relearn stuff. Dana's fucking with him pretty hard. And uh, in the end, he actually regains his memory and gets hit with lightning again. Yeah. So you had 14 seconds left. Uh, This is not a very complex plot. So you didn't actually need a whole minute at all. I don't I was like, I don't even know what else I would say. Yeah, (laughs) I forgot to give you a 30 second cue, but I knew I wasn't going to need it. (laughs) I was thinking that like kind of at the beginning. Um, Yeah, this is, I thought that this was going to be a a much different episode than it actually was. This was one of the dumbest things I've ever watched. (laughs) This is one where the nerd turns out to be a sexual predator, basically. Yeah. I thought it was going to be something where she like comes to like this nerd, like as a person, like after getting to know him and, realizes, you know, she should have gotten to know him sooner or, you know, helps other popular people see that they shouldn't be treating nerds the way they do. He um, basically gets a swirly at school on a daily basis. Uh, That is not what happens at all. I knew from the second that motherfucker opened his mouth that he was (laughs) not a good guy. Yeah. He... Immediately, he doesn't even hesitate before going into a blackmail. Yeah, and he calls it blackmail. Right. So. The reason he knows he's the deciding vote and has this power over Karen is because her brother Mark had done a phone poll. Right. And asked every single senior, <laughs> of which there were only 61. Yeah. So, small <laughs> school. Yeah, they live in. Port Washington, Wisconsin. Is that a real place? I don't know. (laughs) But I mean, they, you know, if they kept propagating, you know, having kids, uh, pretty soon they're going to have a monopoly on the town. They're going to be able to vote (laughs) anything in. Yeah. Uh, Mark is also super horny, apparently, as mentioned earlier, when he talks about Tiffany Rogers getting a boob job. He's like, I judge her if I wasn't so turned on by her. Yeah. I was like, how, I was like, isn't this kid like fucking 10? Yeah, I, I think he's supposed to be like maybe 12 or something like that. Because I damn. think he goes to junior high. But yeah, it's uh, a little pervy. <laughs> yeah, it's like, holy shit. There's a couple of things I want to talk about with this storyline. The first is that when he goes on the date with Karen that he blackmails her to do, they go to a 50s style diner. Okay, thank you. Because I wrote down in my notes, <laughs> are they in a 50s diner? I want to make sure I yes. wasn't going insane. It is called 50s diner. Okay, I didn't see that. 
Yeah, and there's like those uh, jukebox things on the table and the waitresses, I think they were even wearing roller skates that has the, you know, counter seats and uh, poodle skirts. And apparently it's the hot spot in town because all of the football players are there. In their lettermans, as you do. In their letterman jackets, yeah. Uh, it seemed like a very dated reference that the writers were like, well, this is what was cool when I was a kid. Right. That was all the time then. They're like, <laughs> here's what kids used to do. Let's make these kids like that. Yeah. Like, I think I remember thinking that 50s style diners were cool in the 90s. And I think it was because of bullshit like this. <laughs> yep. I think it was because of out of touch writers. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, just to kind of round out the Karen plot line, if you want to call it that. After the date, apparently the nerd is like, He's fallen in love with her beyond beyond anything. He can't control himself. Sexually assaults her, gets slapped. And then just like because he lost his glasses, they do like the classic nerd falling thing. Yeah. Mother daughter moment. The end. Uh, Basically, Karen just tells Carol what happened. And she's like, maybe I should have just kissed him. And Carol's like, well, how far are you willing to go for this? And she talks about how being the homecoming queen was her one dream. And if she doesn't have that, then what does she have? And it's a lot like that conversation that Carol has with Dana in the other episode. Yep. But kind of like the reverse. (laughs) And she's like, you have much more going on for you than being the prettiest girl. (laughs) And it's almost like she was going to say, you're not the prettiest, but you're pretty. Yeah. (laughs) You're not the smartest, but you're smart. That would have been great if they recycled it. (laughs) Um, yeah, she tells her that you can be anything you want to be. Basically, you don't have to just be the pretty girl. Yep. But I do have to call out Karen's fashion, which consists of two baby doll dresses, which were very 90s. And she's wearing a like T-shirt underneath them. They have like spaghetti straps. And uh, the second one, she's also wearing a black choker. So, so stylish. Very stylish. Very chic. <laughs> And then we have Cody. The whole thing was dumb. He gets hit by lightning because apparently he's always fixing his satellite. He was installing a TV antenna on his van. Got so it. he lives in the van in the driveway. Yeah. Which I, I kind of think it's rude of them. They definitely have a house that's big enough to get this <laughs> motherfucker in there somewhere. Well, I think uh, Karen and Dana share a room. I mean, I think a couple of them share a room, but I feel like they probably have like they have a den or something that's not being used. It yeah. could be a bedroom <laughs> or an attic. Yeah. Do the whole full house thing. Basement. Like uncle Jesse in the attic or yeah. Uh, Joey in the basement. <laughs> yeah. Um, the only things that made me actually laugh in this episode were Dana trying to fuck with him. Says her name, Sally, Jesse, Raphael. Very nineties. Yeah. Later, she tells him that she's Aretha Franklin and that he needs to go on a motorcycle tour of all 50 states. And that he was going to leave that day. Yeah. She made him a sandwich. Hi, I'm Cody Lambert. Hi, I'm Aretha Franklin. (laughs) No way. Dude, I loved all your albums. Oh, man. I gotta tell you something. On TV, you look totally different. (laughs) He's dumb as shit. And uh, so he has amnesia and Carol's trying to help get his memory back and is showing him a photo album and like asks him if he recognizes somebody. And he's like, that's Clint Eastwood. And she's like, no, that's your dad. And he thinks that his dad is Clint Eastwood. It's not even a picture of Clint Eastwood. Uh, It doesn't make sense. He's just dumb. (laughs) He eventually regains his memory. Yeah, he does. Uh, but before that happens, he wants to try to go through other means to get it, including having Frank electrocute him with his car. I'd be eternally grateful. Because he was reading a book about amnesia. Yeah. (laughs) He'll be eternally dead. Then he beats his own ass. Um, one of my questions that was at the very beginning of this was when Carol, like, gets off the phone 
And she's like, they're releasing him. And he walks in the door 10 seconds later. It was like, who's calling? <laughs> yeah, thank you. I I said that. I was like, they arrive home seconds after the phone call? Yeah, I was like, I guess the hospital was calling, but I don't think they do that. No, I think Carol called the hospital to check in, but she oh. like apparently didn't check in very quickly. She's like, I'll get around to it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll go first with rating. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> it was so bad. I just, I feel bad even saying it because like some people spent hard time writing this and they failed miserably. You should be ashamed that you put this on TV. That's how I feel about it. <laughs> One love God out of five. <laughs> Which is what, oh, we didn't say the nerd. I don't even know if he has an actual name. They just call him Bird the Nerd. Yeah. So I guess Bird. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing. I liked the show growing up. And so now watching it, and that's kind of why, again, I'm like, did I just pick really bad episodes? But this is another one that I definitely remember. Not the nerd thing, but for sure the lightning where Cody gets struck by lightning. Um, he also gets struck by lightning again at the end. Yep. We didn't mention that. I think I said uh, it so at he... the end of my my thing. Oh, okay. Okay. I, I missed that. Um, yeah. he. They're like, there's no way he'll get struck by lightning three times in the same place. Yeah, he does. Because um, this show is the worst. And yeah, that's something that I definitely remembered, but not the nerd thing. And I think that was a very poor execution on something that actually could have been a good moment for Karen and instead turns into a very cliche and a superficial moment. So I am going to give this one property of Birdman shirt out of five. Such a bad. It's why no it's one talks about this one. It's just not a good show. People reminisce no. and feel nostalgic about Full House and Family Matters and stuff like that. No one has ever been like, ah, oh, step by step. Well, I don't think that's true. I think that it does have vague memories, like these ones that I have of, you know, little blips of something that I found funny when I was a kid. But when you string them all together, it's just not worth it. And these are all on Hulu. <laughs> if anybody does want to traumatize themselves uh, in an agonizing way. I don't recommend it. I actually enjoyed watching this less than the Tom Green show. Wow. That's wow. Okay. Well, do you want to move on to something more pleasant and read a review? <laughs> yes. This is a review from Tommy Knoxville from Australia. And I think this is from the We Watched a Thing podcast. The title is Nostalgic and Charming. Katie and Drew have great chemistry together and just get better every episode. They choose great TV shows to cover and seriously put in some research, which really shows. They also occasionally cover movies. No matter what they cover, you're sure to get that tingly, nostalgic feel from it. Highly recommended. It's very kind and also very, <laughs> very kind to think that we put a lot of research into it. We put research in, but... I would never call it a lot. Level, <laughs> the level is... Uh, very dependent on what we're watching and how easy that is to do. <laughs> yep. Sometimes it is surprisingly difficult to find information about shows. And sometimes that comes down to how Googleable a name is. Yep. <laughs> and if you want to leave a review for us, that would be great. Um, and we're currently reading them out like this one. So I'm going through the backlog of them now. And it would be great to get a few more. And um, we're also all over social media. You can follow us at TFGIF Podcast on both Twitter and Instagram. As always, I post different things on each one. So follow both of them. Yeah. And you can also send us an email at TFGIFpodcast at gmail.com. And those would be fun to read on the show, too. For sure. Um, what do we have coming up next? So Drew will be taking a little break from the podcast while he acclimates to distant learning for the new school year. Can't wait to but... teach online. Super fun. 
Yeah, but I am going to be having some guests on the podcast from other TV-related podcasts. So those aren't scheduled yet, but they will be forthcoming. And then Drew will be back in September. Cool. Um, well, any final words on Step by Step? I don't recommend it. It is nostalgic, so if that's really, really your thing and you just really can live in that feeling, then sure, go for it. But <laughs> if you want to hate watch something, do it. That's yeah, that's hate it. watch is a good call. <laughs> but if you just want to watch it and just tear it to fucking shreds, mm, do it. And if you get through all seven seasons, you must be some kind of hero. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how someone does it. There are people who are doing it out there. You know, got to do what you got to do. There are. I wonder if there's a step-by-step podcast. I respect them. Yeah. Anyways, until next time. Bye. Bye.